I, rem I remember way back in the day when I graduated high school. I don't know why you're laughing. It wasn't that long ago. For those of you wondering, it was 2016. But, yeah. These seniors are embarking on one of the most exciting transitions that we've all been through as they head off to college. And so I thought today would be fitting that we would talk about transition. Because we all go through, go through transition, whether it be graduating high school, and then soon in four years, graduating college, getting your first job, full-time job, getting a family, getting married. We all go through transition. Parents, you now have one less kid out of the house. Way to go. Transition for you, too. And so the question is, when we go through transition, what do we do? What does that look like? And so I thought it would be fitting that we look at the story of Daniel. And so today we're going to open up Daniel 1. So if you have your Bible, you can go there. And let me, let me summarize the first seven verses for you. In Daniel 1, the story starts off pretty bleak. It doesn't start off too well. It opens up with Israelites being sent into exile. Babylon came and conquered Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple. They pillaged. They blockaded. They defeated. And they sent them out to Babylon. And so right here... Daniel is in the midst of a major transition. He is given a new home, a new king, a new family, or lack of it really, a new language, a new people group, a new country, a new education, and a new career. Because what Babylon did, when they sent them into exile, if you were a conquering nation, you would like that people group to assimilate and become like your culture. And so the question is then, what's the most effective way to do that? And the Babylonian king said, we should do a Babylon, becoming Babylonian 101 class. And that was the first class that they took, was becoming Babylonian 101. And what this meant was that Daniel and some of the other leaders of these Israelites, they were put into this class where they would sit in the king's court, they would eat the king's food, they would study Babylonian literature, they were going to learn the new language, they were going to learn their philosophies, learn their rituals, learn their religion, because if they could get the leaders to abandon their Jewish identity, then everyone else would follow. That if they could get the Jewish leaders to become Babylonian, then the rest of the Jews would also become Babylonian. They even go as far as to give Daniel a new name. They tell him your name is no longer Daniel, it is Belteshazzar. But when everything around Daniel changed, look what didn't. In Daniel 1.8, it says, But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. We know that Daniel's a Jew, and we know that God gave them these food ritual laws in the first five books of the Bible. If you ever tried to read the Bible, maybe you got stuck on Leviticus or Numbers, and it's probably because you were reading about all these crazy laws about what you could eat or not eat. But God gave them to them so they would be set apart. It was a way for them to be set apart from their surrounding nations. And so we know that that's why Daniel refrained from eating the food, right? He didn't want to defile himself and disobey the Lord. Now, here's what's interesting, though. The verse doesn't just say wine. It doesn't just say food. It says wine. Now, I find that really interesting, not just because we're on a vineyard, <laughs> but, but because he was allowed to drink wine. 
Like there was nothing prohibiting that from the ritual laws. And so that got me really curious about, well, why would he, why is he going, why is he taking this extra step? And I was reading some different commentaries, and, and most of them came to this conclusion that they were trying to get him to eat all this food and this wine, not just to disobey, but to really just become fully Babylonian. That you would eat their food, that you would buy into their culture, that you would buy into their religion, and that you would abandon your Jewish identity that's rooted in God. And so Daniel says, no, I'm not just going to obey. I'm going to go a step further, and I'm going to do everything I can to keep my Jewish identity. That his resolve was out of a heart of obedience, but it was also out of his faithfulness to God. And I think that's our first lesson we can learn from Daniel, is that in the midst of transition, we should remain faithful to God. Because when everything around Daniel changed, he clung to the one who never changes. God is always faithful to us, and we ought to be faithful to him. Seniors, when you go off to college, the number one thing that will be challenged is your identity. Our world says you need to put your identity in your major, the college you've gone to, the sorority or fraternity you're in, the boyfriend or girlfriend you have or don't have. Even the very dorm you sleep in tries to put an identity on you. And so the question is gonna be, what will you do? Because here's the reality, is that if you believe in the gospel, what we're all about here at City Church, if you believe that Jesus is God's son and that he was perfect and that he came and he lived here on this earth and he died on a cross and that in doing so, he did what we couldn't do. He took on God's wrath. He put it on himself. He paid the punishment that we deserve because we've messed up. And if you believe that he has risen from the grave, that he has conquered death. And if you believe that now you can have a right relationship with God because of this, then the answer to your identity is already solved. That answer is over. And maybe you're not there. For those of you that don't believe in the gospel, maybe you've never heard that. If you are, please talk to some of our elders or pastors afterwards. They'd love to share the gospel with you deeper. And I think, in reality, transition always brings an identity crisis because it's not just when you go to college. I think I imagine that when you got a child, it was probably, what kind of dad am I gonna become? Or when you got a new job, I remember when I, when I got a new job, who am I gonna be? Am I the funny guy? Am I, am I the quiet one? What's gonna be like my, my role here at this new job? In the midst of every transition, there's always a challenge in identity. But if we believe in the gospel, then that challenge is over because God has told us that we are God's son in Leanne's prayer that we are an heir with Christ. Like our identity is answered, like it's solved. It's right there. Our identity is in Christ. And that even though we sin and we're broken, he, God sees us as his perfect child whom he loves. And so we see that Daniel remained faithful in his identity. He kept his faith. And check out what happens in the rest of verse eight. It says, therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs, basically, that's the professor of the Becoming Babylonian 101 class. And he says, he asked him to allow him not to defile himself. It says that God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of eunuchs. In the midst of Daniel's faithfulness, it didn't lead him to pride. It led him to humility. 
I think it's interesting that in the, ver- the beginning of verse 8, it said he was resolved, that he had made this predetermined decision that he was going to remain faithful. And I, usually I think when I accompany resolve, I would accompany that with demands, that if this is what I'm going to do, then this is just how it is, and laying down the law. But that's not what Daniel does. It says he asked. So I think we get from this that in the midst of transition, we need to remain humble before others. In his asking, the chief responds to him. He goes, I could die if, if I don't let you, if you don't eat this food and if you're not strong enough and if you don't look good enough and you're not smart enough. Like, my, not just my career is on the line, my head is on the line. He goes, why on earth should I do this? And Daniel asks again, in verse 12, he says, just test your servant, your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. I think this is really peculiar. It's servants with an S, more than one, plural. But all of verse eight was singular. It was about how Daniel resolved. It was about how Daniel asked But now, all of a sudden, this test is for multiple people. Daniel was with three of his friends. You guys know them by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? And that was their Babylonian names. And now, it appears that they, too, want to be faithful. They didn't ask. There's no text of them saying that they resolved to do this. But now, here they are included in the test. And I think this is so cool. Daniel's humility made his faithfulness contagious. It was Daniel's humility that made his faithfulness contagious. Because in humility, we know that it's not about us. Tim Keller puts it that humility is self-forgetfulness. In his humility, he asked, he cared about this chief who's trying to get him to become Babylonian. Humble faithfulness is contagious. But faithfulness that is prideful is repulsive. Why? Because it's hypocritical. It's not, it's not true faithfulness. Because his faithfulness was in his identity in Christ, not in him and his own success. But because his identity was firmly rooted, he was able to live out in humility. And what's the result of this test? As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. Seniors, I remember when I went off to college, uh, before I came here to DBU, uh, I got offered a full-ride scholarship to go run cross-country and track for a school up in New York City. And that became my identity. And boy, was I prideful about it. It became everything to me. My whole world was wrapped up in that I wasn't just a collegiate athlete, but I was a full-ride, sponsored, scholarship collegiate athlete. And boy, did God humble me. Because three weeks before I left to go to New York City, I was running in California, and I was on a little nine-mile run, and I was heading back on the last four miles, and this car uh, ran through the stop sign and hit me and sent me across three lanes of traffic and drove off. 
and I woke up in the street. I didn't have a phone. I didn't really have any way to, I didn't really know anyone while I was there. And so I got up and I ran the last four miles home, which I later learned was a terrible idea and I shouldn't have done that. Um, and I, I ruined my hip. And I had to go to physical therapy. I missed the whole freshman cross-country season. I didn't get to travel with the team or race with the team. I missed half of track season. And I had an identity crisis because that was who I was. And so if I'm not running and if I'm not training and if I'm not racing and I don't get to do these things, then who am I? And God in his grace gave me a car. <laughs> and so seniors, I hope you'll take this lesson to heart and that God won't have to use a car to get your attention. <laughs> God used that incident to humble me. But we see that in Daniel's humble faithfulness, he recognizes that God is the one who gives. In 117, it said that God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. We haven't had the, I don't have the time to go through all 21 verses, but the author of Daniel 1, he structured this, this uh, text beautifully. There are three major sections. In 1-2, it says that God gave the Babylonian the Babylonian victory over Jerusalem, over the Israelites. It says that God gave this victory, or the defeat in the eyes of the Israelites. And then in 1.9, it said that God gave Daniel favor. Daniel was given favor so that the, eunuch, the chief eunuch would allow him to do this test. And then at the end of the chapter, it says here that God gave them their success. But it was more than success because look at 1.20. It says that the king found them 10 times better than all of the magicians and enchanters that were in all of his kingdom. And so in the midst of transition, we have to remember that God is the one who graciously gives. Because we cannot remain humble and we cannot remain faithful if we do not recognize and we do not admit and we do not confess that God is the one who gave it. Seniors, God has given you this transition, these great accolades, your GPA, your scholarships, your acceptance into college, your success in athletics. Everything is because God has given it to you. And church has applies for all of us. The houses you build, the jobs you have, the raises you get are not from our hard work, but because God in his grace has given it to you. God gave them the transition, and then he gives Daniel the means to remain faithful and humble through the transition, and then God gives the success. And seniors... Whatever comes at the end of transition, know that it is God-given. Here it ends in wild success. That's not really how the whole story goes in the book of Daniel. This is, this, I think this is the coolest part of the story. God gives the highs and God gives the lows. And because of Daniel's faithfulness and humility, this story is just the beginning. If you keep reading the book of Daniel, in chapter two, the king gets on this rampage because no one can interpret his dream and all the philosophers and all the dreamers and all these people, none of them can do it. And so he says, that's it, I'm just gonna kill all of you. That, no, and you laugh, but that's what he did, like crazy. And then, but Daniel says, it's okay. And he goes and prays before God and God gives him the interpretation of his dream and Daniel saves all of these philosophers' lives. 
In chapter three, it gets even better. He's gonna go on and he becomes the second highest official in all of Babylon. A Jew who's been conquered, who's not even a Babylonian, becomes the second highest official in the largest, the largest nation in the world at that time. Daniel then goes on to find himself in a fiery furnace condemned as a criminal. From the second highest in command to a criminal. And yet, God gives him life and is there with him in the fire. And he's not even hot. He then goes on, most famously probably, condemned again as a criminal for the second time, this time in a lion's den, where once again, God shuts the mouth of the lions and he lives. Seniors, parents, church, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We might think we have an idea, but we really don't. But here's what you can know. Whether you're in a furnace condemned as a criminal or whether you're one of the most powerful people in the country, is with whatever you'll do, will you go on and will you do it in faithfulness and humility, knowing that God is the one who has given you everything? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for being the God who gives. Thank you that you are the God who gives growth. Thank you for these seniors, Lord, how you've been so faithful to them. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for how you move here, Lord. Lord, I pray that today as we leave this room that we would seek to be humble to others and that we would be faithful to you. That our world, that we would see our world through a lens that everything is God-given. That there is no part of our lives that you don't touch and that you don't speak into. That it is all yours. In Jesus' name. I don't know where you guys were when you were 22, 10 days before you were getting married. But what a gift it is for Caleb to be here every Wednesday night pouring that that truth, the word of God into the student ministry's heart. Um, and if you're a student with us in the room, you saw those seniors lined up around on, on the stage here, heard their testimony shared before you. Um, I just want to encourage you. That is what we're here to do. You have, we have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to grow in your faith as these uh, seniors have. And they won't like this very much, but I want to ask uh, Leanne and Weston to stand up one more time. Six years, every Wednesday night. Wednesday after 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 Wednesday, and I'll just keep going. Six years, rarely, if ever, missing a Wednesday night with those seniors since they were little. And when I think about the blessing, I know they feel having watched the fruit of their labor. Um, a couple weeks ago, we dedicated a little baby. Some of you all remember. The Russell family brought their baby up, and we committed as a church family to do everything we could to pour the gospel into their hearts, to raise them up. These are the fruit of that labor, these seniors faithfulness as a church, serving, 
laying down your lives, and Leanne and Weston have been a perfect model of that for us, but I'm encouraged every Senior Sunday, ministry can be hard, it can have peaks and valleys, but it reminds me, this is why we do what we do in so many ways, because we get to see the gospel take root in young hearts, and these seniors will go out into the world, and they will do far greater things than we ever did. The Bible describes children as arrows in the quiver. And the reason the Bible uses that illustration, I believe, is that God knows that as parents, what the arrow or what the archer does is he sends the arrows ahead. So as a dad, many of you as parents, as family, we have drawn our bows back. And we've held on for as long as we can. It's time now to release the bow. And those arrows in our quivers will fly far beyond where we have been in our lives. They will do greater and mightier things for the kingdom than we have because that's what God does with faithfulness, with obedience. So parents, brothers and sisters who are have drawn your arrow and you've been holding on and you're thinking, I don't want to let go. Let me encourage you in Christ. Release the arrow. As hard as that might be, release them. And students, you know you're, every single one of you, like my own children. I have one son in this group, but I have many sons and daughters. And you will fly. You will do great and mighty things in the name of Christ. I believe that with my whole heart. Church family, our, these seniors and their families, we're going to have a moment and a time after service. We're going to have lunch together, and we're going to get to spend some time blessing our seniors. But as a church family, it's right that we take a moment to bless these seniors collectively, and this is our opportunity to do that. And so I'm going to ask all the seniors to come and line up across the front of the room here from east to west. (laughs) And as they line across the front of the room, Matt and the worship team are going to lead us in singing a blessing over them. And as we sing this blessing over them as a church family, our elders are going to come and we're going to pray over each and every one of these seniors individually. We're going to pray over them and just ask God to go ahead of them. But I just invite you from your chair, you can stand. Perhaps you can reach out with your hand. You won't come up to the front. But join Matt in singing this word of blessing over them. Elders, if you'd come front, down front and just begin praying as the worship team leads us. So let's sing, let's stand, let's praise God for his faithfulness to these young people.
amen means let it be so. We pray these prayers in the name of Christ and we ask amen. Let it be so, Jesus. Bless them and keep them. Make your face to shine upon them. Give them peace all the days of their life. Amen. Before we dismiss, you have these cards at your seat. I know first parents of seniors, you've been scrambling, trying to find as many of these as you could possibly find of your own kid. Let me just tell you, we have plenty of them for you, all right? So there at our lunch, you'll pick these cards up. You'll have one. They'll have one of every one of these. If you aren't a parent of a senior, what we want you to do is take these cards home with you. You can take one or you can take a couple. I drew Carson. Hello. Last hour, I drew Bryce. So Bryce and Carson, we're going to pray over them. But we're going to put this on our refrigerator. It'll just be a reminder to us every time we see it to pray for them. They are going out into the world. They're going further than we'll ever go. And so pray for them and ask the Lord to go ahead of them. Let this be a reminder. We are sending them out, mobilizing them to the world. And so we ask that God would go with them and that he would give them a great ministry wherever God might lead them. So use these cards to do that. Please take those with you um, as you do that. For our uh, senior families, we're going to stay right here in the sanctuary as when we dismiss in just a few moments. You might have noticed. Sorry. I got to get those tears out. Um, Jonah is here with us. Jonah is a, uh, our photographer, and he's going to be here so we can get lots of family photos. We can do some special stuff. We can go out to um, the uh, uh, amphitheater and take some outdoor photos since the rain has paused for a few moments. And so, senior families, you'll just stay right here. Everyone else, if you would, as quickly as you can, make your way to Kids Church and pick up your kids because we're going to convert that room so we can have a luncheon with our senior families. And as soon as that's turned over, senior families will make our way in there. You can also uh, get some drinks in the cafe as well. I'll just remember that. Um, last thing, next weekend is Memorial Day weekend. Um, I want to remind everyone that we will have one worship gathering next weekend for Memorial Day. That'll be at 1030 only. So we will not uh, gather at 9 a.m. as is our uh, practice here at City Church. So join with us at 1030 a.m. one service for Memorial Day weekend. Um, thank you so much for being here this morning. Uh, thank you to Caleb for bringing uh, just an amazing word to us and encouraging us in our faith. Um, and thank you, um, families, for just being a part of this day. You are dismissed. We love you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the preaching of God's word at City Church Melissa. We meet Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. at 2300 Vineyard Hill Lane, and we look forward to seeing you there soon. City Church Melissa, for the glory of God and the good of the city.